powerful Word of God can change lives, heal broken hearts, save man's soul. Lord Jesus, today, speak to me in Jesus' name. Amen. Now look at your neighbor and say, what's your decision? Thus the title of the message today. What is your decision? We're going to finish up our series on apathy. We're going to finish up in the book of Malachi, chapters 3 and 4. There's a fictional story told in management seminars about a young manager who uh, was to replace a retiring executive. The young man approached the older uh, man and he said, Sir, I know of the legend that you have become as a leader in this company. Could you give me some advice as to how I can fill your shoes? Well, the older man thought about it a minute. He said, well, three words. Make good decisions. Well, that's, that's, that's pretty good advice. The young man's writing this down. And what's the key to making good decisions? One word. The older man said, Experience. Well, and how do I get that? As he's scratching that on the pad. How do I get experience? Two words. This retiring executive said, bad decisions. <laughs> a man named Richard Petty, and I'm not the car driver, but he was a psychologist at Ohio State University, and I hated to mention that because I knew Jeff would go flip backflips back there. But he estimated that each of us are faced with hundreds of decisions every day. They range from trivial, in other words, where am I going to have lunch, to moral, good and evil, to priority, best from better. And in those decisions, we want to make good choices. And why do we want to do that? Because we are the sum total of our decisions. We make our decisions, and our decisions make us. Mary Kay Ash said this, Be careful of the choices you make today. They will become your lifestyle tomorrow. Pretty sound advice, isn't it? Each day we face choices regarding our walk with God. From the closing of Malachi's book, I want to explain to you five areas that we are forced to make decisions in. Number one. Will you render service to others? We pick it up in chapter 3, verse 13. You have said terrible things about me, says the Lord, but you say, what do you mean? What have we said against you? You have said, what's the use of serving God? What have we gained by obeying His commands or by trying to show the Lord of heaven's armies that we are sorry for our sins? For from now on we will call the arrogant blessed for those who do evil get rich, and those who dare God to punish them suffer no harm. Then we will again see, verse 18, we will again see the difference between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and those who do not. Some of the people Malachi was speaking to were guilty of whining and complaining. They were talking to each other about their complaints against God. And when they were confronted, they were denying any wrongdoing that they had been a part of. 
It's the seventh time in this book that they deny their errors. So what were they talking about? And what, the, what were they whining and griping about? They were serving God, but it was with drudgery. They said it was useless to serve Him anyway. They were worship, uh, they're worshiping, they're tithing, they're serving, had no purpose. It was empty, it was vain, it was vile. The complaint can still be heard today. The whining can still be heard today. Is there anything worse than children who are whiners? Adults who are whiners, amen. <laughs> I agree. Because where do children learn how to be whiners? From watching adults whine. We might be saying things like, well, I, I'm not getting anything out of this. I've been faithful, yet God doesn't seem to bless me. What's more, as evil people seem to prosper while good people are suffering, I, I, don't, I don't get it. What, what's this God thing anyway? So Malachi raises the bar. Shows that service distinguishes the righteous from the wicked in verse 18 of chapter 3 that we just read. Righteousness is God, in God's sight is more than a profession of faith. The righteousness of true faith proves itself in a heart of service. You feel the most closest to God when you're serving other people. Can I get an amen? Nothing better. Last Wednesday was our John 3.16 night. <clears throat> Jeff Parmenter usually goes and Michelle... And uh, he, he texted me that morning and said, well, we're still sick, we can't go. I thought, wow, what do you mean you can't go? You have to go. I can't go by myself with these teenagers. Because there's probably not going to be enough of them anyway. And so I'm going to have to work? I'm going to have to go down there and serve these people too? What? I thought to myself, I'm going to end up washing dishes. You, you just watch. And I had no idea how many kids were coming. I was praying. <laughs> so I went and picked up some kids who needed a ride. and They decided we needed to pick up some other kids en route. And before I got back here, I had the church full of kids, the church van full of kids. And then one of them looked at me and said, glad you brought the van, huh? <laughs> then I got back here and the parking lot was full. We took 20 teenagers. To John 3.16. They only asked us to bring 12. We had 20. God said, see preacher, why don't you shut up and stand over in the corner. And that's what I did. Because our young people know what to do when they get there. It's awesome. It's just awesome. But it gave me a chance to, to really be humble before the Lord. It gave me a chance to quit whining and complaining. And be ready to serve wherever I need to serve. Amen? And it's so fun to watch young people roll up their sleeves and do this. Four of them volunteered to do the kitchen. I mean, to do the dishwashing. And it's not the, it's, it's not the best part. It really is not the best part. But they didn't have any hesitation. They just rolled up their sleeves and got right in there. That's the kind of young people we have at this church. 
That's the kind of young people that you have in your homes. I want you to know that. I'm out with them when you're not around. They're pretty good kids. Henry? Sure. Sure. When we got to CC's Pizza, I, I don't know that they'll ever be the same at CC's Pizza. I did notice that the manager was shouting hallelujah when we walked in the door. <laughs> but they, they lost a lot of groceries that night. But you know what? It's okay. Because we've got to learn to serve and serve without complaining, serve without griping. And you feel the closest to God when you're doing that serving to other people. Serving God's serious business. In fact, he commands us to serve. <clears throat> it's interesting that we want to be called a servant, but we, want to, we don't want to be treated that way. We want the prestige that being a servant carries with it, but we don't want anybody to treat us like a servant. Servants weren't treated very well in the Bible days. Some of you may feel like you're not treated very well and that you're a servant to your employer. No, I understand. I understand that. Things aren't fair when you're a servant. Things seem inequitable when you're a servant. But you know what? Servants don't really talk about fairness. They just serve. They just serve. Mother Teresa was a great example of what service means. She didn't gripe and complain about working with the lepers in Calcutta, India. She just went and did it. She dressed old Bill Clinton up so inside and down the other about it. At a big gala they had in honor of her. She talked about how we need to serve people. And have you noticed that the great people in the Bible were all called servants? In fact, in chapter 4, verse 4 of Malachi, Moses is called my servant Moses. The ultimate servant, however, is Jesus, and we should follow his example. Each day presents the choice of serving or not. So what's your decision? Second thing I want you to understand is that we will revere God. Second choice you have is that we will revere God. In chapter 3, verse 16, let's take a look. Then those who feared the Lord spoke with each other, and the Lord listened to what they said. In his presence, a scroll of remembrance was written to record the names of those who feared him and always thought about the honor of his name. You see, some of the people Malachi spoke to took God seriously. There are some people in this church, in this room this morning, who actually take God seriously, and then there's others that are still playing games at it. There are others who are still waiting to decide whether they're going to serve him or not. My, how quiet it gets at times when preachers say certain things. See, verse 16, it says that they feared Yahweh and had high regard for his name. Because fearing the Lord is synonymous to worshiping God. And we need to be about the business of worshiping God. Because life is right in front of us, isn't it? I mentioned in Sunday school, I mentioned to you again, this week we will reach $16 trillion in debt as a nation. They were all over the board about Spain and how bad Spain is, and boy, we've got to get 
We said, well, they got to get under control. You know how much their debt is? Eight trillion. Eight. Ours is double. But then we're America. You try. You try to go to the bank tomorrow morning and get more money than you could ever hope to pay back. They're going to fall all over themselves trying to give you money. Amen? I was going to try to do an extension on a home improvement loan that I have. And they said, well, you have to make a new application. I said, well, what's the interest rate? Well, it would be 10, over 10%. I said, really? I said, so what idiot would do that when I have one that's fixed at 6 now? He goes, well, yeah, yeah, I understand. I said, yeah, no, you don't understand. You've lost your mind is what you've lost your mind. I said, we helped you get back on sound footing, but you have no desire to help us. Wow. Wonderful. It's wonderful, isn't it? But you know what? It doesn't really matter because the Lord's going to come back one of these days. <laughs> I'm not going to owe a dime. Because it's all been paid in full. Right there at the cross. Amen. I would love for him to come back today. Because on my way up, I'm going to look at all the creditors and go, nah, 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 nah. <laughs> All right, Chase Bank, just see what you can do with that one. <laughs> Render unto Caesar what is Caesar. Never mind. When we fear God, we have a heart that's sensitive to his goodness, his godness, and his graciousness. To esteem his name means to honor who he is. These actions that we demonstrate acknowledge that the Lord is who he claims to be. We are to tremble at the thought of offending God in any way. But we, we almighty Western Christian people, thumb our nose at God. Because Christians, as I've said before, the prostituted word. Christ follower is a better description of those that are really after it. Because anybody can be a Christian. But if you're a Christ follower, you're going to be operating under a different set of structures. A.W. Tozier said that to know God is to fear him and, so, and, and to be stunned by the splendor of his majesty. Isn't that an awesome thought? God exists not just to meet our needs. If anything, we exist to meet his demands. He's the master. We're the servant. It's not the other way around. He has rights. We have responsibilities. He is to be worshipped. We are the worshippers. God is not just the big guy in the sky or the man upstairs. He's the Lord of hosts, the, the Most High God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Almighty. He is holy, holy, holy. The only proper response He deserves is one of great reverence and respect. Martin Luther told the great Humanist secular Erasmus, 
Your God is too manlike. <laughs> That's what's wrong with us today. Is that we've brought God down to our level instead of reaching up to His. Each day, the choice of fearing God or not is ours. What's your decision? Number three, will you be rewarded by God? Look at verse 17, chapter 3. They will be my people, says the Lord of heaven's armies. On the day when I act in judgment, they will be my own treasure, special treasure. I will spare them as a father spares an obedient child. Benefits come, according to this verse. Let me give you five of them. First one is, God listens to us in verse 16 when it says the Lord took notice and listened. You see, when you reverence God, He will give you undivided attention. Children, when you want attention from your parents, you get it more when you're obedient than when you're disobedient. But sometimes we want it so bad we'll be disobedient just so they'll do something. And it may be to beat us. It may be to yell at us and scream at us, but at least we got their attention for that length of time. Dads, moms, take time. To talk to your children. Take time to touch your children. Take time to hug your children. Take time to say, how you doing? Take time. Take time. God wants us to take time. He listens to us when we're obedient. The second blessing is that He remembers us. Look again at verse 16. So a book of remembrance was written before Him for those who feared Yahweh and had high regard for His name. Oriental rulers frequently recorded the names and the deeds of citizens who had done beneficial deeds so that they could later be rewarded. Remember Isaiah 49, 16. I shared it a couple of weeks ago. Look, I've inscribed you on the palms of my hands, God says. God has our name written on His hand. If, our, if God had a refrigerator, our picture would be on the refrigerator. If God had a car with a bumper sticker, our picture would be on the bumper sticker as the, as the excellent student in God's... School, because He loves us that much. He wants to be with us so much. And He remembers us. The third blessing is that He claims us. Look at verse 17. They will be mine, says the Lord of hosts. That word mine is an emphatic word. Those who fear God belong to Him. And when we come to faith in Christ, we transfer ownership from ourselves to Him. Give it to Him. But we live in a culture that says, man, I'm not giving up to anybody. I'm not surrendering to anybody. I'm my own man. I can do my own thing. I don't need any help from anybody. You'll need help from somebody because you'll never make it to heaven unless you surrender to the cross. You'll never make it. You can't buy your way there. You can't good your way there. You can't hope your way there. You can't, well, here I go. (laughs) You can't brag your way there. You can only get there through Jesus Christ. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. So if you want to try a different way, go right ahead, but it's going to be empty. You're going to come to the end of the cliff, and you're going to go right off the cliff, and most people who go off a cliff go down. Amen? But the good news is, if you get to the edge of the cliff and you've got Christ, there's a bridge that appears. And you get to walk across the cross to be with God. Amen? And amen, and amen. The next blessing is that God treasures us. Look again at verse 17. A special possession on the day I'm preparing. That special possession means to set aside a thing or property, to set it aside. You have a special treasure, don't you, in your life? If you're married, it's that person you're married to. They're your special treasure. Can you imagine not having them with you? Can you imagine that? 
The longer you've been married, the harder it is to imagine that. And then when you have to experience it, oh my goodness, it's not, it's not pleasant. It's not pleasant at all. The fifth blessing is that God spares us. Again, verse 17, I will, not, I will have compassion on them as a man has compassion on his own son who serves him. Malachi is a book of warnings of the judgments of God. But it's also a book of compassion. We deserve justice, but God grants mercy. We all like rewards, but the bonuses, frequent, frequent flyer miles or cash back from our favorite stores, there's no better reward than the reward of heaven and spending eternity with God. Each day the evil one confronts us with assaults to deceive and destroy us through work and through wrong thinking, thinking we can work our way in. He would have us not believe that there are rewards that God has waiting for us. So we're faced with a choice. We, when we believe in the lies of Satan or the words of God, what is your decision? Fourth thing I want you to take away today is will you be ready for judgment? Go to chapter 4. The Lord of heaven's armies says, The day of judgment's coming, burning like a furnace. On that day, the arrogant and the wicked will be burned up like straw. They will be consumed, roots, branches, and all. But for you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. And you will go free, leaping with joy like calves led out to pasture. And on the day when I act, you will tread upon the wicked as if they were dust under your feet, says the Lord of heaven's armies. You ever seen a calf, brand new calf, jump out in the field? And they're awkward, their legs don't work right, but boy, they're just shaking and throwing and going, and all of a sudden they figure out how to take off running, don't they? How many of you remember Forrest Gump? And then boys chasing him down the road, and all of a sudden he took off. She said, run, Forrest, run. And he took off running, and pretty soon he had the crutches, and they were gone, and pretty soon the leg irons fell off, and he just kept going. I think he stopped eight days later. Run, Forrest, run. When the evil one comes, run, Forrest, run. <laughs> Make no mistake about it, there will be a day of judgment. And that day of judgment is going to have fire attached to it. And I don't know about you, but I'm not a big component and fan of fire. Fire hurts you. Fire's out of control. Fire does great damage. That's the folks out in Creek County. The phrase, not leaving them root or branches in verse 1, indicates a complete removal from the face of the earth. God will remove from the face of the earth those who are against Him. And right now, it looks like everybody's on that side. <laughs> and those that are on God's side aren't as many. But oh wait, oh wait. There will be a day when we will rise. There will be a day when we will rise and be counted. And if you're on the right side of God and you've done the things that God wants you to do and you've accepted Jesus as your personal Savior and you've met Him at the water grave of baptism and you've buried that old man, you've risen to walk in a new life, I wish I could say that everything from that point on is going to be absolutely perfect in your life. You will have a 10-day respite from Satan and then he's going to come on you like ugly on eight. 
He is going to come after you, hound you, and get you to fall. And when you fall, then he can convince you that God doesn't love you because you, you messed up. <laughs> That's why there's a powerful verse called 1 John 1, 9. If I confess my sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive me of my sins and to do what? Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. <laughs> we, done got, we got the boot on Satan's neck and he doesn't even know it. We crushed him. The resurrection crushed his head. That's what Genesis says. Crushed him. So why would you stay away from him? Why would you stay away from God and not have your destiny set? Because see, it could all be over today. You could be going home today and not make it home. Wouldn't it be better to have that destiny already set? Wouldn't it be better? Because there's a coming judgment. Malachi warns of it. The day is coming and it could be this day. What's your decision? Fifthly, will you remember God's law in verse 4 of chapter 4? Remember to obey the law of Moses, my servant, all the decrees and regulations that I gave him on Mount Sinai for all of Israel. See, the law of Moses was the rule that God set up for the Jews to live by. And there's a word that's translated remember here. It means to absolutely obey. Obedience to God will bring the greatest fulfillment. When you learn obedience... You have great things happening in your life. Have you discovered that? If young people would learn to be obedient to their parents, their whole lives would be a lot better. And your parents wouldn't have to yell and scream and holler and beat themselves up because you're not being obedient to out. Your dad's blood pressure could stay down. The vein wouldn't have to pop out of his neck. He wouldn't have to get so red that it looks like he's going to explode. See, that's what we do when we're kids, Right? We get them all worked up, ready to have a heart attack, and then we go, okay, 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 good. Or they're coming to bring punishment. They're going to bring the wrath of God upon us. Okay, I'll take out the trash. Just chill out, chill out. (laughs) If we would just be obedient, it'd be a lot easier. And so God says if you would just be obedient, man, we we can make this a lot easier. If you just do the things the way I want them done and the way I'm telling you to do them, it'll be okay. Have you discovered in your life that when you learned obedience and you practiced obedience, that things worked much smoother in your life? I've discovered that. I can drive as fast as I want to drive, zip in and out of cars all I want to, only to top the hill and there's the highway patrolman waiting. You slam on the brakes. The most fun I've had in a long time was I was actually driving the speed limit in a school zone. I was so proud of myself. What I do now is I just set the cruise control because I, I can't speed if it's on the speed up. So I just set it on 25 and I was just kind of going through the school zone. Boy, here comes this guy. Zoom, rips by me. Zoom. He's cutting in and out of traffic in the school zone. And guess who was sitting over there? The look on that guy's face when I went by him, priceless. I bet that cost him a pretty penny. And I said, thank you, Jesus, that I'm not like that sinner over there. And that quickly came the response, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, you have been. I said, yes, sir, Lord, I serve. TV news crew was assigned 
the filming in South Florida of widespread destruction from Hurricane Andrew. In one scene amid the devastation and debris stood one house on its foundation. Sir, why is your house the only one on the entire neighborhood that's still standing? The reporter asked. How did you manage to escape the severe damage of the hurricane? Well, I built the house myself says the man. I also built it according to the Florida State Building Code. When the code called for two-by-six roof trusses, I used two-by-six roof trusses. I was told that a house built according to code could withstand a hurricane. I did, and it did. I suppose no one else around here followed the code. In Matthew 7, Jesus tells a similar story about a man building a house on sand. But if it's the man that built it on the right foundation, the house will stand. So you want your life to be good? You want your life to be fulfilling? You want your life to be okay? Build your life on the right foundation. And it starts with Jesus. It starts with Jesus. Each day presents the decision to obey God's word or not. What's your decision? What's your decision? These five decisions are monumental. Will you render service to others? Will you reverence God? Will you be rewarded by God? Will you be ready for judgment? Will you remember God's law? What's your decision? You've got to make a decision today before you leave here. You've got to make a decision. The preacher pounded on the pulpit. He looked over the casket and he said, It's too late for Joe. He might have wanted to get his life together. He might have wanted to spend more time with his family. He might have wanted to do all of that. But he's dead now. It's too late for him, but it's not too late for you. There's still time for you. You can still decide. You are still alive. It's not too late for you. Today is the day of decision. Now, this is at a funeral. Preacher told how a Greyhound bus had run into a funeral procession once on the way the cemetery and he said that could happen to us today you should decide today today's the day to get your life together too late for old Joe but it's not too late for you a couple was on the way home from that funeral and husband got pretty angry and he said you know what you ever talking to his wife he said have you ever seen anything as manipulative and as insensitive to that poor family I found it disgusting. And she said, you know, I've never heard anything like that. It was manipulative, and it was disgusting, and it was insensitive. But worst of all, it was also true. So today is the day of decision. What's your decision? Father, I ask you this morning to help us make a good decision. Help us to be ready to respond to you. You came and brought the very best for us. We have an opportunity to respond to that and receive it. And nobody can force us to do it. You won't even force us to do it. You simply encourage us to do it. So God, I'm asking this morning, that everyone in this room will examine their hearts and look deep in their soul. Some have been thinking about 
giving you their life for a long time. And whatever, for whatever reasons, holding them back, I'm just praying that you'll reassure them and you'll help them. There is a group of people in this room this morning who, oh, they claimed you as their Savior some time ago. But life, life has been rough. And they're struggling with day-to-day life. It could be health, it could be finance, it could be employment. A myriad of things causing the issue. But God, I'm asking today that you would be especially close to them, that you would reassure them of your love and your forgiveness in their life. And God, might they cry out to you today for renewal and reconciliation and strength. Father, I don't know what's going on in everybody's life in this room, but I do know one thing. We need to be more obedient, and we need to do it today. So if there's someone, if there's just one person that says, Brother Harold, I I just need to talk with you some more. I need to pray with it about this, and I sure need you to help me. God, I'd love to sit down and open your word and speak that word into their life. Because that's where they will find hope. That's where they will find the forgiveness and reconciliation they seek. So God, whoever it is, would you help them and give them courage to respond today in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand and sing great song, Jesus I Come.